Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot. Where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Welcome home, Brains. There's only one requirement to hang out on the edge, is that you open your big brain and close your small mind. Did you bring your thinking caps? It's time to put them on, because the conversation starts Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. How you doing? You're at the spot, the place, the location where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Today we're going to Massachusetts. I would like some crab legs, some lobster. <laughs> Clam powder. I know, I know it's probably nice and chilly there. I'm one, I'm just excited. So we're with Nicole Gotthold today and uh we're going to talk about some things that we all experience everything from eating too much after the holidays you know weight loss weight management not a diet but a live it it's got to be a a mindset shift it really does brains i'm struggling with it so nicole is going to help me out with that we're going to talk about some personal development. You know, how do we get our stuff together? She's got an amazing launch program. She's going to give us some information on. And we're going to do an example of breath work. People don't know what breath work is. And it's so powerful because, you know, the breath was our very first gift. And it will be our very last gift. So we need to honor that, <laughs> that space, get clear, learn how to use it with our meditation, with our stress, with our anxiety, um, with exercise. So there's so much to cover and I'm so excited to have her here. So how are you doing today, Nicole? I'm good, just preparing. You know, we have some snow coming, first one of the season and everyone's getting milk and bread and the excitement is in the air. Oh, goodness. <laughs> but it's good. Are you a skier? No, I do not do sports that involve ice and that's for my own health. <laughs> mm, I know I used to be a skier now I'm the cocktail pourer at the lodge <laughs> yeah. it's funny you say that the one time I went 45 minutes into it and about 30 falls later that's exactly where I went <laughs> yeah. it's you know but snow is a beautiful thing it's uh it's cleansing it's like rain mm. but, a, but a little better mm -hmm. you know it's a little better but I've never mm. been in massive snowstorms where you've had like, you know, 15 feet <laughs> of snow. So, um, but it could be cold and chilly. So what do you and the family mm -hmm. do when you're, you know, when you're tucked into the house and it's all cozy and it's snowing outside? Oh, well, sometimes it's a movie marathon, depending on how, every how tired everyone is. Um, like play Jenga or a game um, called Sparkle, which is like Yahtzee, but it's a little more competitive. Um, and um, I mean, ultimately, all three of us really love to sing and love music. And so, yeah, I mean, if we're really stuck and there's no electricity, then it's one of those things. Exactly. But if I'm honest, I have a 15 and 10 year old who don't mind their electronics. <laughs> well, we want to dive into that part because um, making the best out of a difficult situation, you lost your spouse, you have two 
young minds to mold. You moved to Massachusetts. Uh, you got a broken pipe in your house. And the reason why I say that is because it's about survival. <laughs> it's about survival. It's about yes. making it happen. A lot of people don't have mm -hmm. that resilience and that bounce back. How did you find yourself in this space? Oh, um, so yes, my, my husband passed away when we were in the middle of the pandemic, um, not related. He had an accident. But at that point, I was a military spouse for 15, 16 years at that point. So we learn how to just make things happen, right? We learn how to roll with the punches. And ultimately, it's keeping your, you know, craft together, regardless of how things are showing up around you, because ultimately, sometimes you don't have a choice. And you know, I thought a lot about how it was that I did that because I think a lot of people ask that. How did you, how did you find the place? Um, and I mean, ultimately, the the women in my family, we just figure it out. A lot of women are like that. Um, there is no other choice than to figure it out and keep it forward. Well, you know, I say that with a grain of salt because I'm a military spouse too, honey. You got to mm -hmm. be cut from a different cord. It's not. The <laughs> It's not because you have to be resilient. Mm -hmm. You have to raise yes. children. You got to get the car fixed. You got to get the pipe fixed. You got to pay the bills. You know, um, mm -hmm. you are lonely. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you're not alone. Yeah. You're lonely. You want the companionship. And True. then you got to whip those boys back into shape when they come home. Because they're a different beast. <laughs> they are. Yeah. And I mean... I think there is a difference, um, like you said, between surviving and thriving. And I think for a lot of us, we know how to survive, but to have hope when you're in moments of despair or to have the bravery to dream, that to me is the hardest, the, the scariest part of the whole process. And ultimately I found myself, you know, in a moment alone after I had learned that he wasn't gonna make it after a few days fighting, where I actually accepted, okay, you know, because there's 300 options that could happen until you know which lane you're going down. And ultimately, at that point, I had to really, okay, like how, where, where are we going to, you know, we were living overseas. So where are we going to live? Are we going to find a house? All of that is the first thing you think about. But then I thought all the things we dreamt about, he was just a few months from retirement from the military. So all those conversations, you know, of what life will be like when you, right? We, it doesn't even matter if it's retirement. We all do that. What life will be like when you have gotten to a certain place. Um, all that just crushed. And we were so close, so close to that. And I remember, it was, you know, being in the shower, that was a moment of, of privacy where I could cry. I could allow it to hit. Right. Um, and I thought, how am I going to do this without you? How am I going to live the, the happy Right. The happy part. Right. And um, I didn't even know what I wanted. Like it, 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 it all hit me at once with my breath taken away and the pain in the stomach that it wasn't just losing him, which was enough, enough to, to hurt. It was also, I don't know who I am or what I want. Right. Because the extra layer <laughs> there was. It's that codependency. You know, I was talking mm -hmm. to my girlfriend. I've known this woman. 45 years. Girl, we talked on the phone for two and a half hours last night. Mm. And we talked, she has experienced a lot of grief. She lost her mother, then her brother suddenly. And as they were preparing for the repast for her brother, her husband fell dead. 
She had her brother mm-hmm. and her husband in the morgue at the same time. Then her best friend, then her daughter-in-law was giving birth. After she gave birth, she passed away. So grief, mm. grief is, it can be overwhelming. And I, you know, I told her, I'm surprised you can still come up out the ground. Yeah. Resilience. Yeah. And then everybody has their own way of grieving. Some people get mm. very angry. Some people get very selfish. Some people get very controlling. Some get very depressed. When my mother passed away, though, it was different because I had that opportunity to have conversations with her, have those unanswered questions, uh, laugh, feel her very last heartbeat, have her here with me. Mm. But again, everybody doesn't have that opportunity. So I always tell people, you know, take the opportunity to make any adjustments that you need to make make uh make a new make amends if you can or be comfortable with whatever decision you make if making amends is not an option when you were going through the grief process it wasn't just you but it was also dealing with children and i know that Mm -hmm. that's a you know that's another drain because you want to be strong for them you know Mm -hmm. what children you want them to feel safe you want them to feel safe but you know what a lot of people do they don't allow the children to understand the reality of what transition is. Mm. Oh, that's just grandma sleeping in that box. Now they're afraid to go to sleep. We have to be as real with them as we are about Santa Claus. You know, we have to tell Mm -hmm. our children that this is the part of the process. Death is guaranteed, you know, Mm -hmm. is guaranteed. Life isn't guaranteed. There's so many children that are still born or whatever, but, how did you how did you work with your children? I know that it was, you know, hard. Did you, you know, consider outside counseling, a lot of conversation, oh, a yeah. lot of hugs? What did you do to help them during the grief process? I let them lead the way in their own journey. Mm-hmm. With 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 safety in mind, of course. You know, I obviously wouldn't um allow them to go to a place that was too dark or anything, but of course of course counseling well for me I would say of course we um sought out a trauma therapist who was brilliant in working with kids and adults focusing on sand therapy um which allows you to get deep in the subconscious and heal especially for people who aren't either articulate and understanding their feelings or children who they're just playing in art it's very similar to art therapy um where they can act out the scenarios and the fear and and have a place to talk and I loved this because she was brilliant at being able to speak with them, keep privacy separate in terms of what they did or didn't need me to know or want me to know, but also guide me in parenting, which the number, that's the number one challenge I think is, is um, even though I have family who love my children very, very much, ultimately the feeling that these children were my responsibility, meaning that everyone will go home when the mail train stops. You know, people eventually will um, not be able to to get that constant support that they always have. And the people closest to you, they're grieving too. So they're not always able to hold the space the way that you would like them to, because they are going through their own process, including watching you in pain. And they just want you to be better. They just want to fix it. 
right. at least for my family, all in love, all in love, right? So you have that whole mix. So to have somebody there say, am I doing the right thing here? Because when you have a partner, and I think single moms will probably relate to this as well, just to have someone say, eh, you are being a little bit too much there, or no, they're walking all over you, stand strong, you're in the right right now. That back and forth, because when you're in the middle of the motion, that's some of the biggest and cha most challenging things because every parent has an individual relationship with each child, right? And so how you work with each isn't always going to be perfectly equal or even. Um, and she, I'd heard advice on both sides of that fence. On the one side, I heard, you've got to stay strong and hold your boundaries because if you have a 10-year-old right now who's pushing them and gets their way all the time by the time they're a teenager, you will have zero container. They need to be able to buck up against someone and someone hold them and keep them safe, to let them know that nothing is going to change, but they can be exactly who they need to be right now. And then on the other side, um, you also need to have some grace. You know, my son, especially in the beginning, really struggled with, I would say, a lot of time just sort of retreating. And he needed that. Um, and some folks were really concerned that it was I was giving him too much space. Um, all, all rightfully and understandably, but having that person say to me, no, I've talked to him. He's in a good place. Just let him give him that space. Don't make him feel guilty. Don't, you know, all the things knowing what's really going on and could I make it worse by saying the wrong thing, right? right. It's such a delicate balance. Um, so to have that person to sort of throttle the moments and I'll remember in particular, um, one of my children had said to her, you know, um, I know she's probably feeling a little bad because we just had an argument, but actually she's doing amazing. I needed that boundary. And that was incredible to me. Um, I will tell you that when I answered that question of myself, how am I going to do this without you? What I heard was you need to be a version of yourself that you would follow. Mm. And wow. the secondary piece, yeah, the secondary piece was you need to live your life in a way that can show them that it's possible. Exactly. And um, they're proud of you. Are you proud of you? I am. I am. I'm, I'm aware enough to know that it's a constantly a work in progress. <laughs> and, but I can tell you that the silver lining of this is that I have accomplished healing on a level that I can honestly say I'm not certain I would have ever really known that I could had I not had such a deep hole to dig out of. Right. And um, yeah, that is the blessing and hardship, right? And I, I'll say this sometimes, you know, there's a lot of topics within grief groups around um, which grief is harder. You know, is it the spouse, the dog, the child, you know, and, and how dare you say that your divorce is as difficult as me losing my spouse, but ultimately it's all perspective. Your grief is going to be as painful right. as the loss, the relationship of that loss is to your identity and your future. Yeah. If that dog got you out of bed every day, that's all you had. Absolutely. Right. And the same with the spouse. And um, if your biggest dream and that you thought maybe that was your last chance to have a child, that loss is going to hit different. It's all hard. And so my point is, is that, like you said, when things show up, you've got to be real about how they feel to you right. and how that process to you. And sometimes what looks like somebody being incredibly strong 
is a disassociation, a, a disconnection from brain right. to heart because it is just too painful. Or the other way around, sometimes a nervous system that is in a deep depression has simply shut down because the pain hurt too much. And it needs help eventually, but it needs time. It needs time to feel empowered enough to face it. Right. And so what are the modalities that you incorporated in your recovery and and uh, you're dealing with mm. this was breath work. Tell us how you got in that. Story. Yeah. Well, it started with um, the, the trauma therapy as well. EMDR, you know, talk therapy and sampling. And then as I was moving through, it wasn't working. I wanted progress yesterday. I wanted more progress. The first six to 12 months, I think I was very much in fight or flight. Not a lot of emotion doing things the way I always had, getting it done, working out hard, beating myself up, just bucking against the wave. And um, about a year into it, I had lost 65 pounds. It was 340 when this all started. And um, I, can't, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine you being. That's, I'll send you a picture so you can, that, show, that, that, you can show everyone. It's on my, my, my profile, that yeah. Is, yeah. That's two and a half people, additional people. Yeah, I'm I'm now 165 pounds lighter than I was then, um, and not emaciated. <laughs> um, and the thing with me is I can't get the 50. I just can't get the 50. I'll tell you that first 65 felt. I I can honestly tell you I've lost and gained 50 or 60 a bunch of times, a bunch of times in my life. And I got to that same point that I often get to in that, in doing it that way and beating myself through and being perfect and being burnt out, um, is you get tired, you get tired and it starts to feel like it's not worth it. It's you start to plateau because your body is just trying to survive. And ultimately we store a lot of stress and cortisol in our fat. And so if you're stressed out, not sleeping, beating your body up, at the same time, your body isn't doesn't want to release more stress and cortisol. It's toxic to the body. And so I knew I got to a point where I knew things had to be different. And I haven't shared this with too many people, but um, so be the careful. thing that allowed me to, to share with 90,000. <laughs> I know. No, it's okay. It's okay because I think it's important. Um, I got to a point where I had to let go of the thing that made me feel safe. And what I mean by that is overachieving perfectionism. Sometimes the thing that we, the survival, right? The survivor mode, the thing about us that, that sometimes feels like our empowerment, the thing that made us feel safe is sometimes the very thing we need to let go of to truly heal because it's also what we used to get away from what was painful. And we can't fully heal until we're willing, or it's at least a sign that you're not fully lo looking into it if you're not willing to go into it. Face your tiger, is what I sometimes call it. Right. And so I was afraid that if I stopped running, and I mean sprinting, that I would fall all the way down the mountain. That the only way I could keep progression is if I never exhaled right. and just kept going. And I had a visit with some friends. It was something that um, my late husband should have been at. Something he would have been. The, it was a retirement for a good friend. And I was in a hotel. Like I, I left the kids at home because I knew it'd be too much for them to be at that. It was uh, in summer of twenty two. And um, 
at that, they, they don't even know this, but at that, I was at a hotel and clearly the anticipation of this event was getting to me at, an, uh, at a level that I wasn't cognizant fully of, not in full resonance of. And I got a bunch of junk food, pigged out in the hotel room. And as um, a trigger warning in terms of um, eating disorder, but I, for the first time in my life, intentionally vomited the food. I'd always, I'd been a pigger outer, I had been, you know, but I had never intentionally, and it was because of the level of self-disgust mm, yeah. that I felt in that moment. And also this absolute, this is not happening. It's not like, you know, I, uh, in the past, I would say, well, and I would gain 20 or 30 back and I would just kind of give up a very all or nothing attitude. And I remember thinking to myself, not, do I ever have to talk about this? Never have to say anything again because it's not going to happen again. Boom, done. And two weeks later, it happened again at home. And that's when I thought, mm, I got to do this differently. But clearly, this is not working. Um, I clearly have things on a deeper level. And it was because I was at a point where it was like a failure to launch. I had survived. I should have been happy. Beautiful house. Kids were doing well. You know, everything should have been okay. And I still wasn't okay. The fear of it not being okay was my biggest fear wow. that I had not done enough and, or I wasn't enough or that, um, at any point it was fragile again, you know, again, because or ultimately, but it was, but the food was something that you could control, you know, it, it was, you know, uh, the eating, you know, okay, I, well, I'm, like, I'm eating because I'm emotional or I'm doing it for entertainment, whatever, but, and then purging is I can control what goes inside of me. Nobody can tell me this mm -hmm. is a secret. I have a, a, a dear friend that, um, daughter had a dis uh, eating disorder he didn't want to believe it I would have known I would have this and I was that and I was like it's a secret they don't want you to know mm -hmm. so again it was all about the control it was what I could control but you could control the breath so tell me a little bit about the breath work and give us a, an example yeah sure 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 so in the process of learning coaching modalities and spiritual work um what I started to realize is that regardless of where you get your inspiration or how you set your intentions for what you want your life to look like, your body and your nervous system shows up in fight or flight or in survival or in restoration. And there is no hiding it from the body. It shows up regardless of what you want to happen. And so it also makes things real, right? When you feel an experience in your body, when you have control of how your heart and your nervous system works, you're at a different level of empowerment and it's real in this moment. The power of prayer, the power of intention or meditation, but ultimately walk through your life and you still can't have control of how your heart rate, your sweating, your head, all of that, then you don't feel empowered to actually be the change that you want to be. For some uh, manifestation experts, they will say things like, be the vibration of the person that you want to be. If you can sit in that emotion now, you're closer to realizing that in your life. But ultimately, how do you do that if you don't know what it feels like to feel confident? If you don't know what it feels like to feel abundant? If you don't know what it feels like to stand up for yourself or speak your truth, how do you do that? How do you imagine that? Right, right. Right? And so in the breath work, I did a couple of um, somatic breath work journeys with breath masters and Brian Kelly um, had heard a lot about how controlling your nervous system with your breath 
is the one thing we can do in terms of, uh, you know, controlling whether or not we're in fight or flight and cortisol and stress. And ultimately, poor management of stress and your breath leads to so many medical issues from heart disease to weight to um, blood pressure to, I mean, all of the big ones, um, including, you know, some connections to dis-ease in your nervous system and in autoimmune disease and systemic disease like Crohn's and um, I have Hashimoto's, which causes thyroid issues. And so you can slow your heart rate and get your mind and heart, what they call resonance and same frequency by slowly exhaling longer than you inhale. You can increase the amount of oxygen to your brain and feel like you just had a cup of coffee by a fast holotropic circular breath that doesn't stop. Mm. So it's this beautiful remote control to be and feel who you want to be. And we can do a five minute exercise, you know, to get relaxed. There's exercises to fall asleep. You can trigger your brain into theta brainwave state, which is what we do in the somatic journeys, which is ultimately very similar to what happens in hypnosis. So we can get past the prefrontal cortex, which is the part that reasons and strategizes, and we can push it aside so that fight or flight is not at the wheel, and we can reprogram old neurological pathways. So zero to six years old, we're learning everything from there's gravity, that's up, my mom loves me, this is how I walk, that's red, that's blue, right? So all those things that you learn after a certain age, there's a filter that those are not reprogrammed. Your reality is set to what you believe is true. That means it's what you believe about yourself, what's safe, what's not safe. What love is, which if it's not perfect growing up, you might have a level of comfort in verbal abuse or physical abuse, depending on what you experience. Even though your mind doesn't know, knows that that's not what's right, your body will still feel like that's normal. That's your normal way of operating. And so if you want to change how your body feels in a situation, whether or not you are triggered by something, whether or not you feel emotions that are meant to be a beautiful feedback for what needs to be healed, instead allowing those emotions to control you, if you want to change that, you have to rewire your nervous system to function properly. You can somatically release through meditation, through action, through movement. You can move the stress out of your body um, where it was held. So if it's held in your shoulders, in your stomach, in your heart, you can move it as you breathe and as you move your body. Yoga is a beautiful example of that. And so in these journeys, they are often themed if they are, you know, broadcast to a lot of people themed around things like self-love. There's, you know, removing ancestral trauma. There is overcoming fear or developing resilience. Those are all things that you can do the journeys around. Give us a quick Did example a of something that we could do to, you know, maybe go to sleep. Sure. Sure. So to go to sleep, it's a pattern of four, two, and six. So you would inhale for a count of four, hold on the inhale for a count of two, and then slowly purse your lips and exhale at a count of six. And so I can do it together with you. If you want to do yeah, it with me, you can close your eyes. You can start. So just, All right. Brains, you can take a, a deep, clearing straight. breath. Yep. Right. Wait, wait. Yep. Brains, sit up straight. I want you to pay attention. I want you to take advantage of this because a lot of people have problems with sleep. And so mm -hmm. what you want to do is you want to 
self-soothe like like a baby you know you rubbed his back mm -hmm. burped them you rubbed their feet you know you sit them on top of the dryer <laughs> okay so now <laughs> that's a good point you know babies don't breathe only in their chest so one beautiful assessment we can do before we even get started if you want to know if you're someone who sits in fight or flight and if you have I would say breathing that could be retrained. I would just pay attention when you take an inhale and outhale, what happens with your stomach? Does it move at all? Mm. And even if it does move, does it extend on the inhale? Now, singers will have known this a bit. You know that it expand the diaphragm on the inhale, but if you haven't been trained in something like that, you may not realize that that's actually how babies breathe. You watch them, they do not care if their genes hold their stomach in, their belly just, right? right? That is, mm -hmm. and air through the nose gives you the best oxidation, so the best absorption of oxygen into your system. Okay. So if you do a nice flow, um, if it, looking at that, if that's something that you're seeing, that you're sitting in here, breath training is something that would be really beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, how much O2, um, CO2 you can tolerate. But to begin, I would recommend, especially if you are a busy brain or a creative brain, I would say neurodivergent brains tend to fall in this category or just people who are in flight or flight and stress, like moms who are like the laundry, the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing. If that's what's happening to your brain, this is beautiful for you because focusing on the breath, it makes the mind distracted. Mm. And if you start to go there, that's okay, just come back. No blame. And I say this because perfectionists will raise their hand in the middle of a session and say, I don't think I'm doing it right. And people who um, have never been able to meditate will say, ah, this isn't gonna work for me. Like literally whatever will show up for you will show up for you in this moment. And I tell you that because that's a moment to lovingly give yourself compassion and know that that's exactly what it's supposed to happen right. and just come back. It'll get easier each time. So I say that because if you're sitting here going, I'm just going to go do something else instead of paying attention because I know this isn't going to work for me. They're going to the pay other a lot thing, of attention to you, teacher. Yeah. Absolutely. By the way, that was me. I, was, I couldn't meditate in my you know, energy courses. And this is one of the reasons I went for it. The other thing I would recommend is to have frequencies. Self-edgio frequencies are really, really effective. It's like a brain massage, whether it's sound healing, crystal bowl, or just simply to get yourself in resonance because we are 90% water, water holds frequency, right? But there you go. There you go. So to have that on, you can easily go to Spotify and like you could type in, what is the frequency of love? What is the frequency of abundance? You will get the frequency and then search it in Spotify. You oh, just play wow. it forever. It's everywhere. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and so whatever you're looking to achieve, calm, um, abundance, love, connection, just put that on and do this anytime. So, okay, we're going to take a nice clearing breath. Make sure you're somewhere comfortable. And then nice big inhale for one, two, three, four. Hold one, two, and then purse your lips for two, three, four, five. Six. Again, on the inhale, into the nose, two, three, four, hold, one, two, and exhale, one, two, three, four, five, 
six again. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Hold for one, two. Exhale, nice and slow. And as you continue to count on your own, knowing that if all you can get to is my five, you can count it to yourself a little bit faster, keeping with your own rhythm that's comfortable. It's perfectly normal for some folks to have less breath in the beginning and then to slowly begin to expand the diaphragm longer. And again, on each inhale, making sure that belly is nice and expanded. And for some folks, you'll feel a little bit of was absolutely amazing. Um, again, like you said, the diaphragm, people mm -hmm. don't like life. They don't go deep. They go mm. superficial. They go, okay, first they breathe through their mouth. So brains, if you're mm -hmm. drooling and you got drool on the side, know that you've been snoring and your mouth's been open all night. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But as far as, you know, your nose, there's people that have asthma. There are people that have sleep apnea. Work with that exercise the muscle also mm -hmm. like the lungs don't just stay stuck in the throat and in the chest go deep go down to your core because that's also adjusting and resonating with your chakras and your chakra yes. alignment um set your intention 100%. at the deepest level mm -hmm. all of this is not hocus pocus alamocus i mean what do they say mm -hmm. when you're a runner breathe when you're stressed, yes. breathe. When you have a baby, breathe. What is the first gift that God gave you? Breath. All mm -hmm. these things are so important. And if you learn to syncopate it, you know, my husband's been having problems um, sleeping. You know, he'll wake up in the middle of the night. He can't go back to sleep. And I told him, I said, you're like a baby, honey. I said, I'm going to have to give you a binky. I said, because you can't self-soothe. <laughs> but he says, well, yeah. you know, teach me how. So I am definitely going to rerun this part of the interview so that he can connect with the breath but mm -hmm. connecting with the breath is source that prepares you in meditation it prepares the mind and you have to quiet the monkey mind brains constantly the constant chatter oh i've got to do the dishes oh i've got to pay this bill oh i've got a meeting tomorrow morning oh the kids are crying oh 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 pump the brakes give yourself some time to reset and you will be amazed at the clarity that will come through. It's like me. I'm dedicating myself to, I've got some shoes right by my desk. Whether I want to or not, I'm going to acknowledge the gift of walking. And when I came back, I was kind of out of breath, but I felt so renewed. I felt so, you know, so fresh. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely wonderful. So that's amazing. So that is some of the work that you're doing with your clients. You're incorporating that with the work. Tell us about the work that you're doing in the program. Yes. So for me, it's really, um, I believe for myself and maybe not true for everyone else, that the real key here is helping people empower their own healing, mm. that it's not just the diet. It's not just the counseling. It's not just the exercise that works for you. It's all of them together and you being at the wheel of your own life. And what you said beautifully about, you know, the monkey mind, ultimately, if your mind is reacting to life, you are not driving that wheel. You're on autopilot. And that's a big one. If you find yourself grasping and keeping yourself above water, 
three or four times a day, just doing a box breath of inhale, hold, exhale, hold with that deep diaphragm, doing that three or four times a day, you're going to build a resilience to stress. You won't have a lack of breath. You won't be doing at all in your life, right? Because that's what we're doing. We're holding it here. So that is the biggest key component for me. And I do a combination of things. It's setting your intention. What do you want your life to look like? And I mean, fully superwoman, you are at an age before anyone told you you can't. What would you want it to look like? And here's the biggest question. Do you want that thing like the house on the hill? Or do you want the emotion that you think it's going to bring? Right. Because there's lots of people who have lives on paper, like I did, that I thought were fully fulfilling because on paper, right. I thought that that's what it was, but I wasn't feeling it every day. And that's what the breath does. It brings you in the moment so that you're actually feeling the joy, the beauty, the wonderful abundance you already have, right? Checking in with, why don't you feel so great about your body? Why don't you feel so great about your achievements? Because most of the time, we appreciate them for 30 seconds and then we fly right through them. Well, you know, right? that's, that's the, the people uh, of the world today is they want instant gratification. Okay, mm -hmm. They will come and they will work with Nicole. She's amazing, but they want you to have the superpower. They want you to have the secret sauce. They want you to be the fixer. Praise, I tell you, you got yeah. to show up, baby. You got to show up and do the work. No. And for that whole year. I wanted that, that whole first year, I wanted someone to give me the manual and I will do the manual. Just give me the recipe because I want it to be like yesterday. And I'm telling you that the weight loss that happened in the one year, so in two years, 65 pounds, in one year, hundred pounds. The major difference, the major difference was I took my steering wheel. I connected with my, I connected my inspiration, my source, my God, Right. to my body, mm -hmm. which we call integration, right? Which is living as the person, not that I hope to be, that I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Loving the one that I am today. And I will tell you one of the most, two of the most beautiful things that I did in integration that I, I, I hope to help people is in the moments that you feel it is hard work. The resilience doesn't come from fighting harder. It doesn't come from being angrier at yourself. It doesn't, it does come from moments of pushing through, but the moments of pushing through don't have to be angry either. I played rugby for nine years in, in college and after college. Whoa. And <laughs> rugby is, yeah, that's a rough sport. No joke. And I, I do CrossFit now. And I can tell you for that whole year, I hadn't been doing it, but then in the beginning, I was still at that, like, oh, oh, oh. And ultimately there are a couple of moments I was really pushing and I thought, you know, I'm going to try this whole love yourself through the hard moment thing that I had been learning. And I imagined the breath and the light wrapping me in the chakra clearing as I was doing the part of the workout that I thought I was going to like be dizzy. And it was, you know, one of those kinds of moments where I was at my edge and, you know, right before that adrenaline kicked in and then it kicked in and I have been able to manage my breath in such a way and be resilient in that breath hunger in such a way that my calories went from about, about four to 500 per workout to about seven to 800 per workout. Mm. And I'm talking about no more than an hour. I'm talking about a CrossFit workout, which is set each time I show up and do whatever they tell me to do. Right. So I'm not, I'm not changing anything other than what's programmed. And the other big thing is that it wasn't painful. I felt lifted. I felt light. Mm -hmm. I was able 
to imagine that breath coming in my body, putting it to the muscles that I wanted it to fulfill. And then I felt lifted. Running is not my thing. I just said I played rugby, but I was part of what we call the scrum, which is not the fast long distance runners. We are the sprint stop, sprint stop. And that is what my body is made for. So the longer running or the longer cardio, I am miserable. I'm absolutely oh, miserable, but I wasn't. It can drain you. So in closing, I want mm -hmm. you to uh, tell my brains, what do you want your legacy to be, Nicole? Um, you know, we only get so many moments in our life where we watch big changes, big, you know, it's why we love watching sports where there's, you know, comeback stories or your kids walking or these big aha moments. And I can just tell you that regardless of what happens after I'm gone, I truly enjoy, even if I was paid nothing, just watching those moments, being trusted, being a place where they happen. To me, it's such a gift to just be present and witnessing that. But ultimately, I would like more people, especially the huge hearts that tend to overgive and not self-nurture, I would love for them to have a place that they can go to. Because a lot of us that are like that, um, we we are the friend everybody comes to, the one that everybody, you know, chats to. And sometimes, often, we don't have someone that can always be there for us. I've been pretty fortunate to have a couple of really dear friends that have been able to do that for me, but they haven't always been physically in the same place because of our military relationships. And so I just want to create experiences where people can be accepted and loved for exactly who they are. They can have a place to be vulnerable and do whatever it is that they need. Well, you know, we might've called it cheers in Boston or <laughs> something no, like that. No, and, I, and I get that. And I get that. Um, but what I love about it is that your legacy is dispensed to others. It's not about mm -hmm. you. It's what you want them to have. So many times people say, I want to be remembered for what I've done. But what I hear you saying is you want to be remembered for what you've poured into others. And that's huge. Mm -hmm. And that's very selfless. Um, and it's worth taking a breath on. So before mm -hmm. we close, I always like to ask my guests some fun questions because we done done the heavy. Okay. It's been all serious. If you, okay. if you, Nicole, were an appliance in the cotton picking kitchen, what appliance would you? Oh God. Have? Oh boy. The kitchen's not the right room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably the, the coffee machine. <laughs> coffee machine. Why would you want to be the coffee machine? Oh, um, it gives life, I guess. Okay. All right. It gives life to me. It gives the like excitement and fun and, and energy to it. Honestly, it's the thing I'm most comfortable around. That is why I say that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, and again, it's the beautiful aroma. You know, it's, it's nothing yeah. like being somewhere, whether you're a coffee drinker or not. Once you smell mm -hmm. it, it wakes you up. So it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I think I want to be the refrigerator. Cause I just want to chill. <laughs> I like that. And when things when things get too heavy, I can freeze it out. I guess the stove is good because you're nurturing and you're transforming. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I like that too. I had to think about that. <laughs> if you were an animal, what animal would you be? Oh, probably a dog. A dog. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I, I, I really resonate with them. Um, loyal, sweet, really just the intention is just to live life and enjoy it. Um, yeah. 
I'm a straight up party animal. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's me. If you were a flower in the garden, what flower would you be? Oh, see, I'm just going for my favorite stuff here, but I, daffodil, because I feel like you oh. can, yeah, daffodil or a lily, because they both shine wherever they are. They do, and they're a sign of life. I want to be a tulip. Mm -hmm. Cause they grow up straight and strong. And then once they bloom, they're just wild. They just go wherever they want to go. I love that. Yeah. Um, you take your breath away. Kind of, what's your favorite kind of music? Oh, I don't, I honestly don't have a favorite because any music that makes me feel and want to sing or dance is, is it for me. I have a plethora. I mean, if you looked at my Spotify, it's all over the place. <laughs> what would you tell a 25 year old Nicole Gothold. Mm. That your worth is yours. That's all you got. Yeah, you got to own it. You got to own it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So please tell my brains, Nicole, how to get in contact with you. I want them to work with you. I want them to breathe with you. Um, again, I'm telling you breath work and mirror work. I did some uh, mirror work. I've never done shadow work, but I've done mirror mm -hmm. work and I thought I had it all together. Brains, I know. Newsflash, I don't. <laughs> it was amazing, but the breath work uh, will prepare you for that. And if you can mm -hmm. do those two mm -hmm. in combination, you'll have to go down and take a nap because it is very revealing. And then when you wake up, you have to journal because it's a lot to process. Mm -hmm. So tell my brains how to get in contact mm -hmm. with you, please. Sure, wildheartcompass.com is the URL and um, as well on Facebook. Um, and it is um, Nicole Santos got hold is how you find my personal slash public account individually if you just want to connect there. We're going to connect on many levels. Um, thank you yes. so much for being so open, so honest and really walking with us on this journey of recovery and sharing it. Military spouses, understand that we know I'm a military spouse too. It's not easy, but you are a military spouse for a reason because you're cut from a different cord. You are, and mm. you think that the person that's in combat is doing it, but you're really doing it because you're holding it down. You're holding down the fort. Mm. And the military supports you and they appreciate you uh, and your your spouse appreciates you uh, in heaven. He's looking down and he's saying, look how proud I am of you. Mm -hmm. so he's waving the flag for you and the kids. So thank you so much thank for you. being on the edge. Brains, I need you to go and ooh, ooh, ooh. check us out. Go in, mm -hmm. like, love, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment, ask some questions, have a consultation, uh, a discovery call with Nicole so that you can find out things that you didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. And that's okay. We don't know everything because it's an ever evolving journey. Thank you so much for being here on the edge with me. I hope that you come back and see me. And I am very, very proud of you. Bye, brains.